Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Educate Norfolk podcast. My name is Jonathan Rice. I'm the head teacher at Caister Primary Federation. I'm joined, as always, by Sarah Shiraz, head teacher at uh, St William's Primary School in Norwich, and look, am I allowed to say local authority person yeah. too? I do. What's, your role? What's the name of that role there? Uh, leadership advisor, senior leadership advisor for leadership and governance. Excellent. And uh, we're also joined by the Chair of Educate Norfolk, Jess Bellardo, head teacher at St Mary's Beatley. Hello, Jess. Good afternoon. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you with us. So here we are at the end of the first week back. How's it going? Well, my first comment is, is it really only a week? (laughs) It's the same every year, though, isn't it? Yeah, having said that, I could start just reeling off the positives. The sun shone, which is great, but much more than that, it was just lovely to see the children interact with each other, for staff to be able to talk to each other a lot more, to just have the joy that is school back again. And I mean that absolutely honestly. What, what, what's been brilliant is having every. we've gone back to having whole school assemblies because we're not a huge school and we've got a big enough event space that it makes it okay. And we've had everybody in the hall together, which has just been so lovely to get. But a lot of them didn't know how to welcome themselves into an assembly. They don't know how to come in. They don't because for for our youngest classes, our year ones have never done it. They've never been to a whole school assembly. Our year twos have only done it a few times. So it's like relearning things that for some of us, it's massively normal. And for them, it's a completely new start, learning lots of new things. But it's been just so lovely to see everybody all together again. It's been, yeah, that's been the thrill of this this term, getting everybody together and being able to see everybody in one place and celebrate things together. It's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So many bits of the school day that we'd lost, weren't there? And school, I found, I mean, I found it quite sort of monotonous and tedious at times when you know the bits I really enjoyed assembly I'm a huge proponent of assemblies I think assemblies are fantastic took great pleasure in actually just explaining to the children what an assembly is we're assembling why you know what are we doing sitting here lunch is in the hall as well it was a massive thing for us I just think that's such a lovely yeah. time especially for head teachers because you when else are you going to yeah. talk to the children like that so that's I never thought that great. I would love going back and doing lunch duties and I've done a lunch duty every single day I've been there from beginning to end because it's just yeah. so lovely and I don't mind Joyful the fact that the children don't know how to use a knife and fork anymore that's sort of the, the least of my worries it's just nice to see them chatting to each other and being together and have it you know it's just yeah it's been really really heartwarming it's it's equally positive here but we've got about it in quite a different way and I think that's one of the interesting things when I talk to you too is we've got, you know, we've actually interpreted things and done things differently. As we know, there are no real rules now. There's risk assessment, there's safer ways of doing things and not. But we've developed a really, what I believe, a healthy process of just talking through, including our middle leaders, our senior leaders. So a group of eight or nine of us about what's gone well, what do we like, what are the benefits. And so we've come up with the same sense of positivity, but quite a different feel. And I think that's partly the building, it's partly a couple of our cohorts of children, and none of you're not right and I'm wrong, or the other way round. So I have learned to love assemblies more, Jonathan, during lockdown, because <laughs> I feel that I can explain, and you know, I, I like explaining, I am a teacher by profession, and I feel that the screen allows me to do that in a more a structured way than a, a hall is, 
big but not really big enough for 420 children and we've only got one way in and out so it takes forever to get in and forever to get out and they're already jiffy by the time you even start and when the range of age from you know four to eleven whereas by using the screen our teachers are pausing it and explaining things and reiterating things and also everybody's listening to it whereas we tend to use assembly as a bit of downtime or pick up with an individual child whereas doing it through the screen we, we feel they're actually having more impact so it's not right or wrong it's just where we would choose to mix and to circulate would be maybe to have our cross-year circle times back where the children builds relationships so it's just about taking the context we're in but that joy that you've described and that buzz and that chatter and the sun shining and we, our assemblies this week have had the theme of be human sunshine so one of my birthday cards said you are human sunshine and the idea that we all feel better when the sun shines but actually we can be each other's sunshine it sounds very corny but actually that's how it's felt this week looking at each child smiling back at you has just brought the sunshine more than the the thing in the sky that we hadn't seen for a while now if we had a visitor from 2019 and they came and listened to what we were talking about here I guess one of the things they'd wonder is why we're talking about ventilation and why we're talking about um, doing assemblies on the on a computer so we can't really escape the subject any longer can we has it been from a Covid point of view because I think we're going to have some different perspectives really, really different. between the three of us and that might reflect some of the differences yeah. you see in schools. I, I, I think we have throughout the whole of Covid been extraordinarily lucky. We've had one positive case with a member of staff and no positive cases with children all the way through the whole of the pandemic. So obviously we followed all the routines, we've had mitigations in place, we've followed restrictions, we've done everything. But in terms of massive impact of COVID hitting us and being aware of it in the community, we haven't really had the traumatic um, impact that many of your schools, many of the other schools have had. So perhaps that's been one of the reasons why we found it easier to go back to something that is slightly more normal, if that's the right word. Also, we're much smaller than both of you. So and, and our community is quite a small community. So for us, COVID restrictions are still in place. We still wash our hands. We still make sure the windows are open. We're still reminding people to make sure that they're doing the right thing. We're still working with parents to make sure they feel comfortable with everything that we're doing and obviously we're making sure that they know that we're still doing all of those things to keep their children safe in school um but really covid has subsided within our consciousness and i said to you a little bit earlier the idea of walking out of my office and not putting my mask on at the beginning of the week felt really odd whereas now it feels, you know, actually we're back in sort of something that feels as though we are living life again, whereas we were all quite anxious and scared throughout that whole 18 month period. So for us, COVID is sort of not in the background, but it's certainly not ruling every every decision that we make anymore. I don't think it is here either, but I, I think because we've left some things in place, but our, for good reason, we really did unpick why we were leaving them in place. And I think that people do, uh, you know, it's our building's huge and to get to the field, we had to have some really complicated routes before. And now people are just walking straight there, even if that takes them close to other classes and things like that. But maybe, like you say, Jess, maybe it's 
um, the community that you're working in and their feelings. And if we go back to last year, we had someone very, very early on from within our broader school community um, that died very early on. And lots of people didn't know that. But for us, that was a very, you know, it was a big point and then we also had briefing within school families so those things have been in our mind but they're not forefront like at this moment in time I think keeping an eye and feel of that community I've said all along this has not just been about facts it's been about feelings too and it's very important to go with the sense of your community and you know we listen don't we endlessly to our colleagues who do risk assessments and health and safety and a lot of that is about reading what's happening in the community if things are getting better within that community then lighten off and if they you know get worse again then tighten up again and I think that flexibility has got to be there and we had uh, we've had two cases uh, we've had seven cases altogether in the last week but two where people had actually been in the building and we had already made the decision to let the groups know if there was a case which we know is not what most schools are doing and that worked really well for us this week because people just went thanks very much for telling us we'll keep an extra eye on how our child feels but We'll go to school so it sort of had the effect we wanted which wasn't um a, a sense of fear it was a thanks for being transparent and honest with us and, and i can say everyone's doing those things differently and i think one of the things particularly for some of our newer head teacher colleagues is that's very hard to use your community instinct as it were rather than have a yes or no yes or no is so much easier and when we had rules even if we didn't agree with them we knew we had to stick to them and now we haven't got rules you know, it can cause friction maybe when we interpret them differently. But I just think if, if there's one thing Educate North has been good at doing, it's saying we can do this differently and that doesn't mean it's wrong. And I think that's really important. It was really interesting to see how many people, how many head teachers showed up to that meeting. Was that, it was in the week before we came back. Yeah, the was day before the incident days. Yeah. It was the day before the incident days, that's right, on the Wednesday before. And uh, I, I actually had the luxury while you two were uh, hosting at the top of the meeting there of scrolling through the pages and there were pages and pages and pages of names of head teachers who were who had logged on to that meeting and exactly as you say Sarah they just want that bit of they want that bit of guidance which obviously they had from from um from the LA health and safety team was there weren't they but also they just want that bit of reassurance from colleagues don't they that what they're doing is in step with others and that um that 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 they're sort of broadly getting things right, even that even though amongst the three of us we can end up with such a a divergent view of what we should be doing, and 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 there are other schools, aren't there? I think which have still got bubbles. I can think of one. I think I know of that still got still got bubbles, mask wearing. We, we sort of had because we're sticking yeah. in new groups to do things, but again, that's because having worked it through with people in the classroom which I'm not actually there were aspects of that the biggest one probably for us is lunch times where being such a big school we did have people on duty at lunch times that didn't necessarily know all the children that they were on duty with and when we go on and on about relationships being key to you know so much of school life particularly around behavior management if you suddenly throw a teaching assistant or a, an MSA into a, a group of 240 key stage two children where they know 40 or 50 names you don't get the best responses either way because people don't know each other. And we found that uh, playing as year groups really worked for us because the same people were on duty with those children as well with them in the classrooms. Uh, and we, that will probably gradually soften, but maybe that will gradually soften once the adults see other children because we, we've we got staff that don't know, like you were saying, Jess, we've got staff that have never seen your two children because they were in reception when this all started. Reception initially tends to keep themselves to themselves just because of the 
geography of our building. So until we build some of those relationships back up, it, we feel that what we're doing is right. That doesn't mean we'll burst bubbles, but but think, we're not the bubbles, but we are keeping groups where relationships can be strong. But I think part of what we've learned is that, yes, we've done all of these things for, for COVID. We've changed things. We've made adaptations. We've put in restrictions. We've come out of it and reviewed everything and kept things because they work, not because actually COVID made us do it. That was the initial thing. But we still... We're staggering our break times and lunch times because the staff actually know each other better, uh, the children better, because it works in terms of the children having more space. Uh, there's less, there, there's fewer issues. It just works better. So we've extended our lunch time to be an hour and uh, I can't remember what it is, an hour and a half, I think, because we've got a, 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 a switch over where because it works it makes sense and yeah. i think that covid has given us a really good excuse to be able to review so many things that we just did because that was the way it had always been or we did it because we didn't really think too deeply and we thought well it works why you know why throw things out if we don't need to actually it we've just reviewed we've we've thought we've been perhaps far more reflective and far more and analytical about what we're doing and now we're working with improved circumstances and improved processes because they work. I think um, I have a little plug here for our conference, which we'll come back to later. But um, I listened to a chap speak a couple of months ago called James Heen, and he's coming to our Educate Norfolk Leadership Conference. And he talked about different organisations and people that he's worked with. And one of them was to do with working with the army and the idea that the mission is set, that the vision is there, but actually the decisions about how best to implement that are best left to people actually in the situation and on the ground. And that's what I, instead of me doing my lovely overview of every half term, telling everyone exactly where they are, when and when break is and who's on duty and all that stuff. We've really sent that out to people and said, within your phase, within your year groups, you know, within your key stage, how will this work best for you, given this is St Williams and this is what we stand for? And actually, it's been a really healthy process of our middle leadership, our phase leaders really coming through to feel their role is clear and to be leaders and to implement the bigger picture on the ground in their place. It's, it's been a, a good process and we've invented new things and we've learned to love old things, like you say, teaching children to use cutlery that you never thought would be a highlight of your day. And now it is. So, yeah, I, I just think I'd that's to say, before you started there, so exactly that, that both of you have talked about the decision making processes in your schools in the plural. And I presume you weren't being the royal we there, Jess. You were saying we've reviewed things, we've made decisions, we've looked at different ways. Sarah, you just did exactly the same thing. It might be the royal we knowing Jess, though, mightn't it? You know? It might be. All oh, cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> she, but offended <laughs> it, it is so much of that sort of decision making process is about reaching a consensus isn't it and i'm guessing you mean not just amongst your senior staff but amongst your whole staff because you need everybody on board Absolutely. with that don't you? and you need to take everybody's um concerns and anxieties and views into into account uh, the bit i'm interested in which I, I I think sometimes I've been a little bit guilty of, of, of possibly trying to accelerate this process a bit too quickly. But there is an element, isn't there, of headship where you need to try and pull people along with you. You know, you need to if you can see a way forward and you can see how things are going to be. And we're going to come on to how things are going to be rather than how they are in a minute. 
you can see how things are going to be for a period of time and how you would like them to be. You do need to, to sort of pull people along. And sometimes I think, particularly with the situation we're at the moment, shake people out of some old assumptions and, and perhaps some things that they've listened a lot of on the media, for instance, where they've, you know, the government over a long time, a lot of the government's messaging has been about making people fairly anxious and a little bit compliant with the regulations. And, you know, effectively, the, the, the whole circumstance of the pandemic has made people quite scared of it, hasn't it? And that's conditioned their behaviour. And now I feel we need to try and help some of our colleagues out of that. They need to get used to a world where we're going to live with COVID, as the phrase is, and their behaviour needs to move forward accordingly. I think that's the, for me, that's the difficult bit, the trickier bit. And I'm, as I say, I think once or twice I've possibly tried to push that a little bit too far. But I think that's, I, do you feel yourself trying to do that as well? I think we, um. so we had two inset days last week, but for lots of reasons, we um, mainly had teachers on one of them and then we had the whole staff team on the other. And on the whole staff team day, we completely focused on culture and relationships because those, some of those, are, you know, so we've been split into teams, we've had four staff rooms, people haven't been together, and there's had to be quite a, a direct, a bit like the government's relationship with us, there's been a very directed relationship with children, hasn't there? Things they are not allowed to do rather than a more consensual approach. And we've used three texts for that, where we've had staff reading over the summer, both the Paul Dix books, When the Adults Change and After the Adults Change. But then the book that's really had an impact on a lot of us is a book called The Kindness Principle by Dave Whitaker. Uh, he was in The Guardian a few years ago, was having the kindest school in the country. Um, and it sounds soft and it sounds fluffy, but there's an awful lot of rigour in the book around the way humans work, the way we interact with each other, the way our brains work. And we really wanted that relationship side to be the core of what we came back to, not our risk assessment. We did, yes, we had to do safeguarding, you have to do that because that's, you know, such a vital part of what we do. But the risk assessments were there available. But we didn't want COVID to dominate our inset days. We wanted the vision of our school and of how, so we spent the, the teacher day very much on curriculum and on some new developments and then what we're calling rebooting things. So they're not new, but they've got lost and we, it's an energy to bring them back, but we want to bring them back. So our school development plan is going to have new stuff and rebooted stuff, which sounds a bit silly. But I think that whole idea that, you know, to reinstate things, you've got to remember what you were doing, why you were doing them, and then bring them to the forefront of your mind again. And we mustn't underestimate the energy that's going to take in our school community. But when we were all together, the focus was on who we are, how we are, and yeah, relationships. They're, they're, and communication is key to so much of what has been rich over the last 18 months you know there's been so much that we've missed people have been not us so much but people have been stuck at home what have they missed they've missed humanity they've missed interaction so that, that's yeah that's how we went about last week similar to you Jonathan let's move away from the rigidity of this into the positivity that can now come I think the building relationships bit is so important and I think the the reason we've managed to get to the end of it and still be in one piece and still be functioning as, as reasonably successful schools is because I think we've all learned so much about communication and relationships. We've had to do exactly what you said, Jonathan, pulling people along with us. And I think certainly here, everybody has felt as though they've been an integral part of a team and they matter. And 
I have been absolutely blown away by every single member of staff who has done a lunch duty, a playground duty. They have literally worked from the moment they've come through the door to the moment they've gone home. If they've managed to go to the loo and have a cup of tea, it's been as though they've had a, you know, they've had an easy day um, because everybody has bought in. And I haven't had to beg or plead or nag or anything. Everybody's worked because people have recognised the fact that we have to communicate. We've got to support each other. And I do agree we've had to drag them along. But I think maybe because everybody has worked hard on better communication, it has brought us to the end of it with actually stronger relationships. We don't know each other as well, but we trust that everybody within the school is doing their best. And I think there, we, we've sort of lost perhaps that a little bit of cynicism in terms of the relationships that we have with people. I think also that, um, you know, there's always in a team of, you know, we've got a team of around 30 of all sorts of different people, which is a lot smaller than the teams that you've got. But you've always got, you know, people whispering in cor corridors or people that might say something and you're never all never really sure whether you trust everybody. But that sort of thing has seemed to have abated. People are, are warmer towards each other. They're more tolerant of each other. They know that even when you've had a bad day, actually everybody's trying their best. And I think that has I, I hope we don't lose it. I really hope that we carry on with that sort of positive relationship and, and embedding those relationships. And we don't forget and go back to some of those sort of whinging, whining times that perhaps we we did have before. You mentioned communication in that. Sorry, sorry. I, was you I was just going to say very quickly. You mentioned communication at the start of that, and and how that had fostered better relationships and the relationships you've got now. The, you said something earlier as well about you know it's staggered lunch times as a benefit from COVID, and you know kids come to school in the PE kit and all that sort of thing. But that may be we've all really had to focus on our communication systems, haven't we? Really very very carefully and maybe that's going to be a, an, an unintended consequence of all this as well sorry sir i've jumped in on you no no i was, I was just going to say that what comes out what jess was saying to me is uh, that there's been such a a, a a raw humanity around this you know they, we all those complexities all that you know stuff that schools have where people moan and whine and grind about things we haven't had that because we've had such a clarity of purpose keep everyone safe as well safe and well but also school has become such an obviously important thing when there was no school everybody agreed that kids and families suffered so the clarity of that is what i don't want us to lose you know being at school is a wonderful thing not just for us the people in it but also for our communities for the way families operate and that simplicity of purpose i think has helped us all behave in a much more open way and i just hope that carries on on the point of communication i just think in the same way as leadership you need to have different styles at different times sometimes it's been that talking people through your process engaging them in the process making sure everyone has a say and at other times we've had to be very very decisive very very quickly and it's the people that can switch between those and by having the one the sort of collaborative approach that's why people trust you when you don't do it I remember on my eighth day here when Ofsted rang and I barked some orders in the office, do this, do that. And then I apologised. I went, oh, sorry, I didn't know the people very well. You know, I don't always work like that. And they were like, no, 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 that's what we want you to do when Ofsted are coming. Tell us what to do. And then, you know, that's not what you do when you're chatting about 
I don't know what you do, you know, you just need those different styles. But by having that inclusive one, by being transparent about decision making, when you do make decisions, literally do this now, people go, it must be the right choice, because otherwise that wouldn't have been the style today. So, yeah, I, I, I like you, Jess, the, the humanity and the kindness of this. I would just love to be what, you know, there's going to be so many things that have been lost and so many people with such complicated lives and such sadness over the last 18 months. But if we get something positive, let it be that. I think also one of the things that's come out of it is there has been confusion in terms of messages from central government, from the DfE, from the press, the media. And what parents have done is look to us for leadership and clarity. And in the main, I have found that parents have really supported us. They have they have followed our lead. They have been really willing to do the things that we've said because we've communicated reason we've told them this is why we've told them when it's happening we've told them and they've trusted that we've done the right thing so where they're getting confused messages and i know we've bit we've had a bit of a you know we've been bashed around a bit in the, in the media but actually within our own communities i think that we have re-established a sense of focus and a sense of the school and school leaders and head teachers being there for the community and leading the community and it's been a really positive and improved relationship um, and hopefully we will reap the benefits of that. Talking of looking to Jessica Bellardo for leadership, um, the, many of you who are listening, assuming many of you are head teachers and in Norfolk, there's a big WhatsApp group, Jess, isn't there? That uh, is maybe around the centre of the county. I'm not quite sure. I don't. I don't quite know who's in it and who's not in it. But um, you, I know you are um, quite a prominent voice on there because that is just questions being. It's a really useful group, actually, isn't it? And it's questions being fired backwards and forwards. What should we do about this? What should we do about that? And you are on there, I know, um, a lot feeding in answers, you know. From There's a lot of very, very knowledgeable on. head teachers on there. Yeah. And lots of them are really, really helpful. So, yeah, so, I... I, I pop in every now and then but there's lots yeah, of people who are more, far more knowledgeable than me it's a very modest um summary of the situation just there but anyway what just give us a kind of overview a quick few sort of headlines of what the big topics are on there you know today yesterday the day before what's everybody because you also mentioned mixed messaging from the government well we see that we almost have a void of guidance now don't we there's almost nothing to go on it's you know it's open the windows and make it up yourself isn't it so so what are the hot topics i think mostly the hot topics are coming back and the change in regulations and the change in guidance a lot of it is do we tell parents when we've got cases what do we do with staff um, who were previously um, uh, crit critically um, extremely vulnerable. Um, what do we do about um, when when you've got you know when you've got a member of staff who's got somebody at home who's sick uh, who's tested positive? How does that impact on the rest of the school and things like that? What what's the what do we need to do with vaccinated people or? Um, people who've chosen not to be vaccinated or too young to be fully vaccinated and those sorts of things. So it's it's all of those sort of queries and questions coming up on how do we adapt now to the fact that COVID 
to the rest of the world is supposed to not really exist. And yet in schools, we've got to carry on managing that idea of, of, of positive cases and spread. But also the other thing about the WhatsApp group is it's really helpful in terms of the other stuff. You know, we've got a number of children who are coming back to school who um, who have gender identity um, things that they want to, you know, that, that impact on, on the running of a school. We've got things where, you know, staff just want to know, or head teachers just want to know, what do you do about attendance? What do you do about it? So the, the, the WhatsApp group itself has been really helpful just in just in terms of being able to reassure head teachers that you're not making a decision totally on your own, that there are people who've got knowledge and can find out the information. But in terms of COVID, it's just that coming back and trying to make sure it works in a way that suits your school. And I think most people seem to be quite positive. They're just trying to make sure that they're getting it right. And nobody wants to get it wrong. And there isn't a wrong or a right. And I think that's what we're trying to get, that confidence between us as the school leaders to recognise that it doesn't really matter. We're making the best decisions we can and therefore it's right. Yeah. OK. So just looking ahead from where we are then, so that, that's what's in her teachers' minds right now. If we look ahead to the next few weeks, what are the tea leaves and the bottom of your can of Diet Coke saying, Sarah? What do you... <laughs> well, are... I, I do think, you know, we're all, like last autumn, we're holding our breath, aren't we? And let's just say it goes the best way it can. So we stay in school, we may have cases, but most people are fit and well and healthy. Um, you know, it could go two ways, couldn't it? It could be that actually things do get more difficult like they did last autumn. But let's just look at the optimistic side. Let's just say that within our school communities, pretty much even if people are well, unwell, they're not very unwell and that we can continue to function as a school. Um, I said all the way through last year as well that it's that big sky thinking that every time we just tried to look at the sky, we ended up back in operational stuff again. And so, as you've just described, Jess, everyone mired in small details where they're just desperately trying to get it right. So. My hope would be that we can start being real thinkers and, you know, working together collaboratively. I've got quite a few ideas about peer work together over this term, reinvigorating HSP, the old head teacher support programme, things that get us physically together, but also get our minds together so that we can start really envisaging things. And we mentioned briefly our conference earlier. Wouldn't it be fabulous to be sitting in a room full of Norfolk school leaders and other people from across children's services. There's some great speakers coming and actually think together, not just chat about risk assessments together. That would be what I'd love. So we've mentioned already that um, James Heal's coming to speak. We've also got Diana Asagi, who is the most passionate, um, empowering leader. She speaks particularly about female leadership, but she's just great. Um, and then Laura McInerney, our old friend, is coming back as well. So I think that conference will be great. And we've made a real point of inviting colleagues from across children's services and covering more generic leadership issues as well as specific to school, which we think will be a real relationship builder. Um, yeah, I, I just think Norfolk's done a good job. Norfolk school leaders should be so proud. And if we could take half the energy that we've used in the last 18 months to get our schools through this, I would hope that instead of saying I'm exhausted, I'm tired, we can use that energy collectively to inspire us all and collectively make our, all our schools better. Jess, can you give us an idea as well? Thank you, Sarah. Can you give us an idea of what um, Educate Norfolk's going to look like then through the term? Are we, are we, those Tuesday meetings have been incredibly popular. Is the plan to keep doing that or are we going to go back to leadership updates? 
We are going to carry on doing leadership updates, but they're not going to be on a weekly basis um, as they were. We've um, we've got key dates, which I think Kirsty's sent out to all head teachers, and we are going to um, have a meeting once a term, um, a face-to-face meeting once a term over the next year, so that we can have go back to to one of those but we found that the remote meetings have been really really well attended and actually it's much easier for people to be able to get to them to be able to make the time for them because you don't have to do all the travel so we're going to do a little bit of a mishmash of um it face to face and and remote um those meetings are going to be um we're going to have agendas and and current items that are pertinent to us going forward so we've got uh, we'll have members of the local authority coming to talk to us at certain times about send transformation about uh, flourish about various bits and pieces that are happening and um, sarah and chris want to roll out across the local authority but also we'll be looking at bigger uh, more national issues um the reintroduction of things like sats and stuff like that we'll be making sure that current issues ects um, and and um, any of the the things that are coming into our realm um, via the government, they will be also addressed and on the agenda as well. Um, and then obviously there's the conference. Um, so we we are we are carrying on because we feel that the communication has been really effective, and we want everybody to be able to continue with that and build those relationships. But we we are going to adapt and move forward. Um, in a way that hopefully means that we can actually get to build relationships physically because it's great seeing so many people on screen but we all need a little bit of warmth and a little bit of personal contact and I think you know it makes a lot of difference to have a cup of tea with somebody um, rather than just stare at them on a screen although you both look gorgeous on the screen obviously. As do you, as do you Jess and thank you. <laughs> That's why I said it. But it will be lovely to see you in person, it will be lovely to, lovely to see you in person and I don't know a single head teacher in Norfolk who doesn't think that you've done a, you haven't done a fantastic job over the last 18 months um, and on behalf of all us jobbing head teachers thank you seriously for, for all of that information bringing yeah, together think... the community it's been absolutely fantastic the service that Educate Norfolk has provided there. I think, you know, Sarah being working alongside the local authority as well has been really, really helpful. And we have to say a huge thank you to people like Sam Fletcher and Seb Gasser as well for the really, you know, for being available to us, supporting us, Derith and the, the rest of the team at Health and Safety. That's been what's been so effective is actually all of us working together. And, you know, it's been great that Educate Norfolk has been an, an integral part of that and helped to get that up and running. Um, but we couldn't have done it without... The local authority and all of the other people saying yes we want to buy in and we want to we want to make sure that it's successful too yeah well as as sarah said norfolk's done a great job and we should all feel proud of our part in that absolutely So one thing I said earlier was about trying to get back to that sort of blue sky thinking and, and collective thought. And I, I like to read, I like to think, I like to, as you know, like Twitter and like blogs. But actually, sometimes those things are even better if you can share them and talk to other people about them. Um, so one thing that I've read, which won't surprise all of you, is um, John Amici's book that came out over the summer. It's called The Promises of Giants. And his premise is that as a physical human being, he is a giant, but obviously some of us believe he's more than just a physical giant. He's also, you know, his thought and his 
um, compassion and his understanding is incredible. But he talks about the fact that as such an enormous person, six foot nine and huge with it, that every single action and movement that he does can have an impact on someone. And in the introduction, he decides he describes dancing one New Year's night and not dancing and eventually dancing and ending up knocking this guy over and breaking his nose on the fall of midnight because everything he does as such a huge person can have a huge impact. And the book is about how we are all giants if we are leaders in any form and how what we do and the impact it can have on organizations on individuals but on reading it to me it's every one of us in a school system anybody who works in a school whatever role you're in you do not always understand what each of your impacts and we talked about leadership stars and collaborative leadership but it's a fantastic book it's worth everybody reading um and we've given just some of it for all our staff to read a section so it is really worthwhile but to me, I talked about relationships earlier and about Dave Whitaker's The Kindness Principle. It's all about the cultures in our schools and how those relationships are. And uh, Jonathan, I think you heard John Amici speak when I heard him speak about yeah. six years ago, maybe now, at the Festival of Education. And I know I remember things very well, but I remember a phrase he used, and it's in the book as well, which is um, a proverb that his mum used to say, which is, when the axe and the wood meet, only the wood remembers. And the idea that the axe has the power, but actually it's the wood that's impacted on. And that can be positive and beautiful or it can be breaking. And I just, yeah, if you have any time and it won't, you know, won't take you long. It's a wonderful book called The Promises of Giants. I had Excellent. another book over the holiday, but that was a kid's book. And it was wonderful, too, called When the Sky Falls. But I won't talk to you about that. Jess, what about you? I know you, you, you panicked when we said, what have you been reading? But actually, you read on Twitter. You like to think about things you see and read. So tell us a little bit about what you've been thinking about. Well, I'm a, I, I haven't had, I have found over the summer that I haven't had the brain power to actually focus on anything that is longer than maybe um, an article as long as something in the TES. I just have found this summer really, really hard going to get my get my brain engaged in anything really meaty. But I've I've been tearing the TES to bits and uh, pulling out different articles and finding little bits and pieces. And most of it has been around coming back to school and not going back to what was the normal before and all the things that we've learned through the pandemic things like looking at children's mental health making sure that children love learning again coming back to an environment that engages and th and in, um, supports them to thrive being aware of each other I mean, we've spoken about this throughout the whole of this uh, discussion this afternoon so i've got articles and articles all about basically treating each other nicely, improving mental health, saying sorry, being prepared to say, to, to understand when we're wrong. I've got sorry shouldn't be the hardest word um, is an article that I've actually pulled out. And it's about, you know, we're always expecting other people to understand when they've made mistakes, but are we good at recognising that ourselves? And I think that that's something that, um, I have worked hard on is to be able to recognise when perhaps I don't get things right and saying sorry and recognising it. Um, so I've sort of not done any focused reading at all. I have read a couple of children's books. There was a lovely book which I was trying to find and I can't even remember the name of it now, but I bought a, three or four children's books which are just beautiful. Um, on Twitter there's um, a head teacher that publishes, publishes lists of children's Simon books. Smith. 
Yes, and I've bought a few of the ones that he's recommended. Um, you'd and they be are broke if, you'd be broke if you bought everyone he recommended. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I've chosen one or two, which will be the um, basis of quite a few assemblies throughout the year. Um, so that's the sort of reading I've done because I've sort of felt that I needed a summer off thinking too brain. deeply. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I the when the sky falls was one of his recommendations as well. But I agree. I found it very difficult to get into adult yeah. fiction. I found it very difficult to concentrate. I've been better at reading factual things, but that's why when I saw this uh, book recommended and when he said it was the best book of the year so far, I couldn't resist and went out and bought it. So, and it's beautiful and it's emotional. It's set in London in a. It's based on a true story about a, a, a privately owned zoo that was in London during the Blitz. And the fear for the animals, but it's also about a young boy and his life. It's, it's a lovely book. I would read it if I, all of you. Jonathan, what about you? You're always thinking about something. Well, I, so Sir Chris Whitty, or Professor Chris Whitty, whichever one he is, he's Professor Chris Whitty, I think, isn't he? You know the. We know. Next slide. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, next slide. I love the impression of him on Dead Ringers. is brilliant, isn't it? Next slide, please. That guy has um, produced a report on health in coastal communities in Britain. And it is absolutely fascinating reading for those of us who live uh, and work out on the coast. Um, it's about the um, incredibly elevated uh, incidence of coronary heart disease, cardiovascular disease, um, pulmonary diseases, smoking, obesity, just the generally poorer health outcomes that people experience living at the coast and just connecting all that together with um, unstable employment, the loss of traditional industries at the coast, the impact of tourism, seasonal work, all that sort of stuff. It's it's a fascinating reading for those of us who work out here and see communities that, you know, are suffering in, in different ways. So um, that's quite easily findable if you're a head teacher like me out on the coast. Um, that's quite easily findable if you just you know, put Chris Whitty coastal health. I just Googled um, it and found Google it while you've been talking, Jonathan. You found it. Sarah's already reading easy? it. <laughs> um, uh, it's a, just a fascinating read. There's a there's a sort of huge version and then there's a summary and recommendations version that's just, I think, I just think for those of us who work out here, just connecting those things together in the sort of work that you will already be doing in your communities and that will inform your development plans. Um, that's just some really useful background stuff to be to be thinking about. So that's on my radar at the moment. That's what I've literally just finished reading. That's fascinating because it's so specific to your community. But the idea about, again, reflecting on why we do what we do in an educational context when we understand our communities better. I think that sounds brilliant. Thank you, Jonathan. Excellent. So there we go. I think we probably, most of us will already be getting out on the school gate in a moment, won't we? The end of the first week. We need to go outside and wave the children off and have a chat with the parents and enjoy the last of the sunshine, which I think we still just, have. It was just home. absolutely tipping it down here. It's been, <laughs> absolutely, Pelsy, which is why I had to close the window a little while ago. Um, so I'm hoping sunshine that it's been quite Sunshine all week, raining just for the weekend. Yeah. Typical, <laughs> isn't it? Typical, typical. Thank you, everybody at home or out for a run or in your car or wherever you are for joining us. Nice to be speaking with you again. What are you doing? They're all doing the ironing. 
doing the ironing. That's what I do when I listen to podcasts, doing the ironing, whatever you're doing. Great to be with you again. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Hope you enjoy your hard-earned first weekend back and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.